Flavor Odyssey is brought to you by Drew Estate, the rebirth of cigars, and Smokin' Cigars, voted number one in selection and customer service. A Flavor Odyssey. And now from Cigar Dojo Studio Lot B, your hosts, Robbie Raz and Randy Griggs. <laughs> and the Odyssey continues. What's up, Dojo Nation? Welcome to another episode of Flavor Odyssey. I'm your host, Robbie Raz. This is our co-host, Randy Griggs. Coming to you live from Lot B and Lot B minus. Love the exploding sound effects. Randall, how are you today? Uh, I am doing Fantastic. As I told you before the show, I had a great day today. Having a great week. You know, I... Okay, can I share something? This is totally off script. I'm so sorry to do this, but I got to say. Already off script. They didn't even write one, and you're (laughs) off of it. Go. I listened to a Tony Robbins motivational seminar this morning on my way to work. And you know what? I had a good day. I had a good week. That starts a good month which will turn into a good year, which will turn into a good life. Boom. That just happened. Oh. It, did, it did just happen. Was, did you listen to the one with, like, buckets and, and, uh, and all that? Where you put things no, in it's really buckets? about uh, h- hacking uh, your health and your body and, and bio something. i got to listen to it again. Luminescence? So much infor- no, no. So, so much information. It was, it was hard to capture it all. But it was exciting. It was, it was very positive. I love it. it was very inspiring. I love it, dude. You're so jacked up about this. Like, what is it about? Like, well, it's about your body and life. And I don't know. I need to listen to it again. But uh, <laughs> it left me fun. with a really warm feeling. I didn't necessarily, like, take home the content. But, uh, <laughs> but I, it left, left a really good feeling in, in its wake, you know? And, and I'm doing my best to take that away from you, my friend. And I apologize. Uh, that was not my goal. See, exactly. Exactly. But you know what? But you can't because I control what I feel, not you. You hear me, Robbie Rez? <laughs> this is our, our weekly therapy session here on uh, <laughs> on Flavor Odyssey. Uh, but uh, but and how did uh, oh, and I, oh, I would never make, never make light of therapy, but uh, this, no. is, this isn't we're not here to talk about. I mean, I'm glad that you had a good day. And, yeah. you know, you're feeling, you're feeling Tony Robbins-ish. The dude is huge. Isn't, isn't he, like, he, just he, kind of massive? He's ha- gigantic hands. He actually has gigantism. I didn't know that Does about he him. really? It's a, it's a, yeah, he has the same disease as uh, Andre the Giant did. I didn't know that either. Wow. He grew t- 10 inches. Oh, I thought in, you were going to say something else there. <laughs> stop it. He grew 10 inches in, like, uh, a year, a little over a year. When he was like 29 to 31, grew 10 inches. Wow, that sounds painful. I know. Nuts. Nuts, right? Yeah. Uh, I bet you didn't know that you were going to learn something about Tony Robbins 
here on Fair Rossi <laughs> today. Uh, thank you all for joining. Now that we got that out of the way, go ahead and hit that share button. Uh, share this if you're watching live on Facebook and let your friends know um, the uh, exciting things that you learn about in your free time. Uh, Randy, what do they have to do on the YouTube uh, channel? They have to smash buttons and whatnot? Smash that like button. You, are, you guys are going to have a great time. If you like tuning in, come in and watch in Flavor Odyssey, learning a little bit about pairing, learning a little bit about flavor, learning a little bit about joy and positive energy. Go ahead and like that. <laughs> Hit that like button down below. <laughs> if you like this type of content, you want to join us every week, not only on Wednesdays. We've got a great show with the boys coming up here soon, uh, every Friday night on Smoke Night Live. Hit subscribe, and both of our shows are going to show up in, in your live feeds. As you guys should already know, we, we cover uh, the, the large cigar events around the country as well. That'll show up in your feed as well. You want to be subscribed. I recommend hitting notifications. You never know. I might get inspired in the middle of the night, in the middle of the morning. You never know. You might want to watch it live. Jump in, you know, boom, boom, boom. So you want to have those notifications on so, so you're, uh, you're, you're made aware when we're live. That's, that is just fantastic. We should do that. That needs, that's the new, this can't be Randy's reads, but it's got to be the, the Randy's YouTube plug or something. That's, that's just fantastic. It makes me happy. What would you be doing <laughs> in the middle of the morning uh, on our YouTube channel? Listening to Tony Robbins. <laughs> <laughs> and we will definitely tune in for that um although there could be some copyright infringement there so uh that's we'll just well, well it could just be that. me like it could be me sharing my interpretation of you know what tony said in the morning it's not just tony robbins i i, I listen to thank you for smashing that button t-town trucker and i got i gotta say i i, I like that you're avoiding them but of course me having a good time just feeling good about myself immediately because of the date immediately there's references in the comments for those of you listening on podcasts oh it's coming uh we are filming this uh live on wednesday april 20th it's kind of a a, a known holiday for certain uh, uh communities or or uh, or demographics if, if if you that's not the case I'm just, I'm just feeling good. That's all. That's it. No, Randy's not like this when he's stoned. He's, uh, he's very like, dude. He gets kind of yeah. deep. Yeah. And like, you think so? Like, kind of like the dude, dude like, a little bit. What, what if the, what if the universe expanded and then folded in on itself, and then expanded again? Would there be? Oh no, I do that sober, bro. I, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the kind of thing. All right. I don't know. I was just making that. All right. Now, now I've pulled Randy, you off track. You have. You've pulled all of us off track. We are, but it's a wild card <laughs> episode. You never know what's going to happen. We're, uh, we're keeping it loose. Point. We're keeping it fast and loose. Uh, we are going to yes. talk about some homebrew today. Uh, maybe some, uh, some do's and don'ts of homebrew. And uh, we are going to uh, have some nice pairings. I'm excited about the cigar that I'm smoking. I don't even know what Randy's smoking yet. Randy is freaking out. And we are going to move on. Let's see what is going on back in the dojo dugout, boys. Uh, we're hanging out. We're getting ready to uh, drink some home brew, which is fun because something that we've partaked in. Part this stuff is brewed at home. It's brewed at not home. A, not at some warehouse. No, it's brewed at home. Yeah, Robbie, do you ever? I, I figured out. I figured out Randy and his entire life. Randy, <laughs> he lives. Uh -oh. Imagine you took like a big like meat cleaver, right? You took a big meat cleaver and you turned it on its edge like this. Randy lives on the tip of that meat cleaver, and any wind blows this way, he's he's depressed and crying. 
And any wind bl- that blows this way, he's the happiest, most excited. <laughs> Why is it a meekly? Guy. It doesn't matter. It's just that's just a visual, Jordan. It's a visual. Yeah. But whatever. A lot of people would have gone with a razor's edge. He might yeah. go meat cleaver. I, I love it. I, I love it. I go meat cleaver. And today the wind blew a little bit this way. Yeah. Thanks to Tony Robbins and and 420. And Randy is just <laughs> he's just jazzed. Like he's overly jazzed. It's a, you know, some people live on a plateau. I kind of like I kind of like that Randy lives on the razor's edge cuz you never know what never you're going to get. It, it's a crapshoot. Box of chocolates. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. It's, All right. It, it, can, well, it can be fun. It can't be fun. <laughs> well, 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 let me be the one to try and push us back on track here. As as it's been said, we have a wild card here today. We not only have homebrew that we're going to be pairing with, we have homebrew that was sent to us by one of our regular audience members, someone you all know, you all love, you all follow. You see him at the top of the leaderboard every time you go on the dojo first and check to see how far around you are. And you see him way there at the tippy top. That would be one. Mr. Tanner Cole has sent us two different versions of a Mexican chocolate. No, no, I'm sorry. Uh, what, what is it? Uh, shoot, I forgot. Mexican chocolate stout. Mexican, Mexican hot chocolate lager. There it is. I knew there <laughs> was a word missing. Mexican hot chocolate stout. Uh, I am going to be pairing my Mexican hot chocolate homebrew, stout homebrew, with none other than the Viaje Jalapeno. This is uh, the 2020 purple foil release. Um, I think this might even... Is this the fat? I don't think this is the fat. I don't remember. Uh, But this is the jalapeno by Viaje. Ravi, what are you doing? I am just hanging out and just basking in the glory, man. uh, I knew. As soon as I said it, I should have said, what are you pairing with? (laughs) Yeah, you left it too wide open for me. Uh, So, again, thank you to Tanner Cole uh, for getting these, uh, these beers out to us. Uh, we had some uh, delivery issues. Uh, we, the plan was to do this, I think, back in December, um, <clears throat> but the uh, the package, ago, but uh, uh, the the Robbie Raz household, a, a grenade went off inside of it. There was no liquid to be found, but uh, shards of glass everywhere, uh, and it just didn't quite uh, didn't quite make it. So um, these came into the mail uh, just over last week, I think. So I've only had them for a couple of days. So I'm excited to do this. Um, I am smoking the <gasps> Camacho Imperial Stout. Oh, oh, focus, focus. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Uh, Imperial Stout barrel-aged uh, cigar from our good friends at Camacho. And I think that someone on the show today had something to do with this cigar, but we'll get into that in a minute. Boys, you guys are drinking the same beers as us, or do you have different beers? What's the situation there? So we've got some beers that Tanner sent us. Um uh, right now, I, I guess one of the ones I opened is not the the Mexican. Well, we got stouts. three. Oh, okay. We got like, I think we got two stouts, and then I don't know. What, I can't remember what that one is. I don't know what this is. Um, <laughs> Tanner, comment. But what it, is that one? But it's a much lighter. It's not a stout, and I am pairing it with the um, uh, Turtle Two, which is um, from Espinosa. It's another dojo release, and this one is. Uh, made at the San Latino factory, AJ Fernandez, and uh, super good. So I'm excited about this pairing. Jordan, what do you uh, got? I'm starting out with what the boys have. Uh, I might switch over to what you have uh, as the show goes on. 
Right now, I'm smoking the Diet Sassy. This thing is stinking phenomenal. Uh, but I'm not going to be pairing that. I'm going to be doing the uh, Knuckle Sandwich Maduro. Nice. Hot off the press Ooh. here, baby. Um, I smoked the uh, Habano focusing. before the show, and the Habano is lights out. I can confirm. Now, Robbie, Randy, real quick before you guys get rolling. Uh, I did it, threw up a quick poll on YouTube. Uh, who has the better hat? And it was 50-50. It was 50-50, but then Robbie took the lead. Uh, he has 55% to 45%. So folks are liking like the both. Robbie Raz I hat. Like I, well, that's a close poll, Randy. Yeah. You can't you can't be too mad with that. Uh, but Jordan, I, I want to. I, I feel like there's nothing but haters that watch this show. I think I'm we should. I think we should throw up a, team. a quick poll, Jordan, on both of these things on YouTube right. and Facebook. And here's what I want to know. How many of the audience has dabbled in home oh, brewing? In we'll get a feel. Yes. That way we'll get a feel as to our audience and who's tried it, who hasn't tried it. And Robbie and Randy can you know, start to uh, sort of guide us through this whole cool homebrew conversation. So I'm going to throw that poll up right now. All right, boys, hit it. Can, can I go ahead and just make the comment that I coordinated – my hat with my shirt like this this <laughs> took effort like Robbie just grabbed whatever like dirty hoodie was on top of let it, of let the it go basket <laughs> grabbed let it go whatever hat just like no okay um so yeah obviously uh Robbie you know you and I both have some homebrew experience um and so super excited to talk about a homebrew super excited to to receive a homebrew from uh Tanner so um, we can start off by talking a little bit about homebrewing in general, what our experience is, um, as, as I've already spoken probably way too much uh, in the early part of the show. Why don't you talk about your uh, homebrewing experience and, uh, and what, what you use at home and how for homebrew? Uh, yeah, we'll do. Um, yeah, this is actually, which this, this side, uh, that's my uh, keyser. So I've got a couple of beers on tap there. It's just a uh, chest freezer that I converted into a kegerator. Uh, fun little project. Hey, Patrick Larkin. That's my man. Um, <clears throat> so I've been homebrewing Randy Wow for like six, seven, eight, nine years. I'm still terrible at it. But um, <laughs> I did, did manage to brew. I've got the, an Irish stout on tap that uh, turned out really well. Uh, that I enjoy, but I've gone through the the whole gamut. Like I started, and I was doing um, uh, not all grain, but what's the other? What's the other extract? Um, extract thank you. Uh, it was started with extract, where you're using powders, and you basically just do it on your kitchen stove. Uh, that was my first batch that I did. Uh, I think I only did one batch that was extract, and I jumped to all grain. I bought a, uh, a secondhand system off of, uh, a guy on eBay, or not on eBay, on Craigslist. Um, and I had open burners and uh, three-tiered system. I think that's what Randy uses, but his was much more official than mine. Mine was just made out of uh, those big uh, Home Depot coolers, you know, the, the orange and white ones. You, you see the Gatorade ones and the sidelines at football games and all that. Basically, you just use one of those. Um, I've since moved on to I'm using a, a single uh, it's a electric system. It's a single um, single what would you call it? It's like a single. It's 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 a single unit, a single body. Single unit, I guess, which is what you would call it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, single unit system from um, 
from Anvil uh, is a company that makes a lot of uh, homebrew equipment. This is called the Foundry, and it is it's pretty sweet. Like it basically does it controls the temp for you. It's all electric. It's kind of plug and play situation. It's made my beer a little bit better. I'm one of those guys, Randy, and kind of like you were when you first started golfing, where you just I need to buy the best stuff, and maybe that'll make me a better golfer. It it, it doesn't. Um, and Randy like suits. buying the. <laughs> I said when you started. When you started, you're a much better golfer now. I assume. I haven't seen you play in like a year. Uh, that was the last time that we played when I hit that 312-yard drive right down the middle. 311, yeah. 311, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure you were paying attention. Best ball I ever hit in my life. Um, I'm really glad someone was there to see it, man, because usually when you, you get into one of those, nobody's there, and no man, one believes you. That was um, a drive. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a super sweet system. It's, um, it's not cheap, but... It makes everything so easy. Cleanup is easy. And that's the thing. When you're home brewing, you're basically just cleaning all day. You're mm-hmm. making tea, like a gigantic pot of tea, and you clean everything multiple times. It doesn't sound like a lot of fun, but it really is. And uh, once you set up and you've got a keg, uh, kegerator in the garage and you can walk out and pull a pint of your own beer, there's something super, super satisfying about that. Uh, my next uh, project is I've got this, this little uh, refrigerator here. I'm going to turn that into my uh, lagering um, fridge and i'm gonna uh start making some lagers because randy as you know lager is a bottom fermenting uh yeast and it needs to be at a much cooler temperature than uh, an ale which is a top fermenting yeast randy at a much warmer temperature um i know i i I just love that look i get on your face but uh yeah so i've been homebrewing for a while it's one of those things it's a rabbit hole man you start with just like cigars you you start with your uh, oh man i got a hundred count humidor i'm set no you're not you're not so I, I bought, like, a, a, a secondhand set. Oh, I'm good. I'm doing all great. No, you're not. You're going to buy, like, some $30,000 nano brewery, and the next thing you know, you're, you're making barrel-aged stouts in your garage. But uh, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. And it's, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting a little deeper into these, these beers from Tanner Cole. They were a little cold when I poured them, so as they're warming, uh, they're opening up, and I'm getting a little more of that flavor. They were Tanner cold. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so um, just I'll be as brief as I can. Uh, I, I, uh, I've been home brewing for uh, 21 years. Uh, as soon as I turned 21, I got a job in a brewery to, uh, as a weekend job while I was in school. Uh, found out that beer was made by humans and didn't come from some magic spring in Colorado. I, don't, I honestly do not know where I thought beer came from when I met my first brewer and he told me I'm the brewer here. I literally said, oh, so what do you do? He looked at me like I was an idiot and said, well, I, I make the beer. And I mean, my life has changed forever, obviously. Um, I brewed 26 batches of homebrew over the next 30 days. Um, I, six months later, became a certified beer judge and uh, changed my life. And I spent 20-plus uh, years in the beer industry <laughs> ever since. Um, I've actually Wait, won can I ask national... a question real quick? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. How many batches in 30 days? 26. And where did you ferment all of that beer? In car- Oh, man. Half <laughs> of my aunt's garage was cardboard. <laughs> <laughs> like four I- deep. Well, well because the, 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 after I ba- brewed the first batch, I got a job at the homebrew shop. Right. So, uh, <laughs> one so <laughs> I, I brewed one batch and I went back to buy the ingredients for the second batch. And they offered me a job. And um, so I had this huge discount, this access to ingredients and equipment. And, uh, and so, uh, 
it, it, it became everything that I was about. I dropped out of school. I, uh, I, I, I just brewed beer. And um, I, I, the highest height of my home brewing was, uh, was uh, meddling uh, at national, at the national Homebrew um, Championship. Uh, I got silver medal um, in alt beer, um, uh, which most people would know is like a, an alt beer. Never mind. It's, like, it's an amber uh, lager. But uh, anyhow, uh, I, one of the most satisfying things I did I, for like eight years, I, I, I uh, trained homebrew judges. Uh, I, I taught classes for, for uh, beer judging. And so um, that's really where the, the you know, passion for flavor came from. It's where the vocabulary for fa- flavor came from. It's where, I've defined, where, where I refined my palate. And I always tell people, you know, it, it was interesting coming into cigars. You know, I, anyone that follows the show knows me at all. You know, knows I'm, I'm, I'm really into coffee. I'm really into cheese. I make, I roast my own coffee. I make my own cheese. I, um, I, I, I dabble in flavor, right? Like, like, like uh, uh, quite a bit. And, um, and it, it all came from those early days of learning the vocabulary for, for, uh, for beer judging. And, and, I'll, and I tell everybody this, and I, and I want to say this on the show, because anyone that's watching, you know, obviously is, is, has some inkling or passion for flavor in general and uh, i i think that a lot of things are intimidating for people and when when like i read all these articles when i got into cigars that you're supposed to start with shade grown connecticut's and like slowly work your way up and i started with maduros and big heavy hitters and heavy lajeros and that's just where i wanted to be because because i already had developed a, a palette and and like an understanding of flavor so i think it really depends on where you are on your flavor path in general that, that dictates and uh you know a lot of people have asked me like how do you refine your palate how do you learn the, this vocabulary and everything and it, i i honestly boil it down to i truly believe this for for my heart of hearts i just pay more attention than most people I, and that's it I, I you know when i take a sip of something or take a bite of something i literally try and reverse engineer it in my head and think about what ingredients might have been used what techniques might have been used in the cooking or the brewing or the roasting or the fermentation process and like so that's why i geek out on like learning about fermentation and stuff because the more you understand those techniques um i mean even barrel aging you know something that that you know robbie in your job uh you, you know you're learning more about the the different um the different toast levels uh of oak how they impart different flavors just understanding that process that the oak goes through automatically uh, gives you more understanding and awareness when you taste the beverage uh, that you can, um, you know, comprehend that, connect those dots a little bit better to say, well, th- this clearly has more vanilla character. And so it was a lighter roast on, on, the, on the oak versus like in a, in a whiskey where, where you're getting more of that charred character. You know that it's a, you know, from a he- more heavily toasted barrel. Um, it's honestly, I, I, I love telling people, I just pay a little more attention than most, <laughs> you know? So, um, now Randy, Randy is so in, in his element tonight. I know this is great. He doesn't even know where to go. And, and that's why I want to ask this question because <laughs> Robbie brought up this really good point, um, which is, you know, guys get into cigars and they, and they, they buy like the, uh, the 20 count, you know, desktop humidor and they feel like, oh, I'll never need anything more than that. And obviously they're not even close to where they're going to end up in a month. Right. Like we see that all the time <laughs> on the dojo. But uh, Randy, just a real quick question here. Like if guys are watching and they are sort of interested in, hey, you know, like 
there's so many options. Like, I want to maybe try try this. What would you recommend uh, getting? How to get started? Like, where would you think is a good jumping off point uh, into you know homebrew? And where would you start as far as equipment and 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 that kind of thing? Is there a way that you can dabble first to see if you like it before you go crazy? Or what would you recommend? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I love that you asked that. Um, I did work in homebrew shops for you know, 13 years of my life. So I've, I've dealt with a lot of first time uh, home brewers and heard, and I've seen the guys that get discouraged early and don't stay with it. Robbie said the most perfect thing, like any brewer from a home brewer to a commercial brewer will tell you it's 70% cleanup. Like, 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 like there, there's, there's a few times that you really interact with the ingredients and it's really like cool. And then it's all cleanup. And so for me, it's all about, uh, gearing it towards something that you can manage at home. So, so it really depends on what space you have. One of the first things I would always try and convince people to do. So like starting with extract is a great way to go. You know, Robbie brought up powders. There's also a liquid extract looks like syrup literally that you pour in where, where the first stage of the pre preparation of the barley's already been done for you and concentrated. So you can just literally reconstitute it in water and and go from there and so basically you're basically starting at the the second stage and going on from there and just kind of cutting off that first mashing portion where, where you're uh, breaking down starches and sugars but what i always tell people to do is get a camp chef burner get this thing out of your kitchen and into your yard as quickly as possible where you can hose stuff down <laughs> uh, it is a very very sugary product and it takes a ton of hot water to clean that stuff up. And I learned that the hard way, uh, getting yelled at by my aunt. I lived with my aunt in college. Um, uh, getting yelled at by my aunt about how sticky her stove was, how sticky the floor was. Um, so, you know, make it as easy on yourself as, as you can. Get a turkey fryer, get a Camp Chef burner out in your yard, throw a pot on it, fill it with water, and you can go from there. And it's literally, you know, 100 bucks, 150 bucks. You can buy the the basic essentials to get through the boil and the fermentation with a simple carboy you know best case scenario you have a, a refrigerator you know in your garage or something somewhere where you can dedicate or 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 start brewing in the cooler months uh, temperature is a huge element of fermentation and warm fermentation makes uh, beer uh, go bad pretty quickly and so you, you want to get the, the temperature down as much as possible. Um, it has its, there's all this friction inside from the yeast fermentation. So it's like 10 degrees hotter inside your vessel than it is in the ambient uh, temperature that, that you got it in. So having it in, in cold will really take your, the quality of your beer to a whole, to a more like legitimate level where you're like going, oh, okay, I can make at some the, some level similar beer to what I can buy in the store. I, I, I literally argue that the difference of bad homebrew and beer that's close to as good as you can buy in the store is as simple as having uh, temperature control on your fermentation. Is is there um, a beer, Randy, a style of beer that's good for beginners? Like uh, Yeah, yeah. Hefeweizens are done super fast. They can stand a little bit higher temperature, so Hefeweizen's a good one to start with. Stouts are a good one to start with because they – uh, there's such strong flavors in the in the dark roasted malts that it covers up a, a lot of uh, a, a lot of imperfections. You know, don't start with a lager. A lager takes a lot more temperature control. Any little off flavor becomes very apparent. It's a it's a lighter, nuanced beer, and so 
uh, one off flavor will really like be showcased. It'll almost be featured in the beer. So darker beers or Hefeweizens would be where I would always uh, encourage people to like get their feet wet. Mm. Sorry, I was muted. Randy, uh, what is t- <laughs> Tanner's? Tanner Cole's coming in. And he says, "Just use K V I E K, Quebec Quebec yeast, and you don't have to worry about the temp." Yeah, mm. you, they ferment. It's mm. it ferments. It's an ale yeast that ferments at a higher temperature, um, and I think it ferments faster. I haven't really mm. messed with it. You're getting a little bit into the weeds when you start talking about that kind of thing uh, yep. for a, a new a, a new brewer. Um, I would I'd stick with the styles that Randy's talking about. It, there's kits that come with everything that you're going to need, whether you're doing um, <clears throat> whether you're doing extract or you're doing all grain. Uh, hell, I still buy the kits. The the uh, Irish stout that I made was just a kit from More Beer, <clears throat> and it turned yeah, out great. I, I, that that is literally the Red Irish Stout is literally their top. When I worked there, was the top selling kit. So um, so yeah, let's let's give a little plug. If, if you want to learn more, morebeer.com is uh, where I worked. I was an operations manager there for 10 years. Um, it is the world's largest homebrew supply store. They have a ton of educational information. as well kits, both and hardware kits uh, that you can literally just choose one SKU and get everything that you need top to bottom. Uh, it, the, the starter kits come with um, your, your first uh, recipe included in the price. Um, so, uh, morebeer.com if you're interested in learning more about homebrew and looking into, uh, into, um, your ingredients and, uh, and equipment. Randy, who are, uh, some of the most prominent, like, homebrewers that we would know? Like, oh, that guy, I, I, he used to come into the homebrew shop and now he does this brewery that we all know. So, I love that you, I would have never thought about that question. I love that you asked that, uh, uh, Jordan. 90% 90% of every brewery you've ever walked into, the, yeah, those right. brewers and or those owners started as home brewers. It's, it's literally, it's one of those things, again, you can't say something about a hobby as being 70% cleaning up after yourself. And, and I'll tell you one thing about a person that's okay with a hobby that you're mostly cleaning, it's a person filled with passion. It's a person that absolutely loves what they're doing. You know, I, I, I've met hundreds of homebrewers who came in and tried to spin me this tale of, well, if you do the math, you technically can save money homebrewing over buying six packs at the store. It's poppycock. That's not real. Like, like that's only if you literally don't value your own time. Um, that, uh, so it's not cheaper to buy the beer, but, but there's something really really special if you like making things at home if you like just cooking and it's it, a lot of people tell you home brewing is like like making chili uh it's a really common analogy that that brewers use in general um it, it there's something so fulfilling pouring a beer that you made for your friends as they come over you know my i, I always tell the story i got so hooked on home brewing the first time anyone ever drank my home brew i went to uh, the NH, uh, nhra um uh, a speed uh, a, a racetrack near my house and I went with two kegs of beer and some six packs and we tailgated and all these other people in the parking lot saw the keg of beer up on the truck we're hand pumping it you know and people are coming over to get a beer and I'm oh yeah yeah you, you know help yourself you know it's my homebrew people were pulling money out of their pockets and asking to buy a six pack 
and like like the excitement in a young you know 21 years old and there there's these uh, you know race car you know enthusiasts hanging out tailgating at, at a racetrack trying to buy my homebrew i was hooked <laughs> I, I i never stopped so uh so so it's it's very rewarding and, and fulfilling if you know if, if if you want to devote an entire day of your weekend uh uh to hanging out in the backyard, but, but that's the thing is, uh, you, you know, you don't have to spend every minute of every, uh, you know, hour that you're doing it, like paying attention to it. You, you know, you engage in it a few times to Robbie's point. There's, there's, um, there's more uh, advanced equipment these days. Like he has where he can literally program everything, set everything. There's a heat probe in there. It's all done electronically. He can put that, set that up in his backyard put a tv out there watch football all day sunday well home brewing and barbecuing at the same time like it can incorporate it if you're just a, a a weekend warrior love being in your backyard in general it's something that's not, not that hard to incorporate um so uh so so yeah i mean i mean those those that passion that causes you to do it in your backyard you know like, like robbie says it's very it's very easy to immediately, you know, you start having good beers, you get really positive feedback from all your friends and family to say, well, what would it take to start a brewery? And, <laughs> you know, especially back in the old days, um, you know, before the big craft boom, where a lot of capital was coming into the industry, it was almost exclusively that. It was almost exclusively every brewery in America was started by a home brewer at some point or another. At some point, we were growing so fast, there was so much money to be made that, you know, capital investors started coming in and, and creating breweries and uh, changed that ratio a little bit. But I, I would argue that probably the best brewery in your in your local area was probably started by a passionate home brewer. Hey, uh, Robbie, a uh, question for you. Um, this is sort of turning into a interview Robbie and Randy show, yes. which is kind of cool. Uh, <laughs> Robbie, question for you. Can you think of your, your biggest failure and your biggest success uh just you personally do in homebrew like can you think of the the style of beer that really you just really nailed it and the, and maybe one that was just a total flop uh well i could give you a bunch that were total flops <clears throat> but um i think the the first beer that i made that i thought really accomplished what i was trying to accomplish i did uh, a smash pale ale uh with galaxy hops <clears throat> And a smash is a single uh, malt and single hop um, uh, beer. It was pale ale. It was about 5.5%. So it's very basic. You really get a chance to, A, it's, it's well, I, I can't really think of a cigar equivalent, actually. But, uh, Randy, maybe you can. But uh, it really does, it'll highlight the malt that you're using so you can understand the flavors that you're getting from that specific malt. And it's going to highlight the hop that you're using because you're only using one hop. So you really understand the flavor that you're getting from that hop, whether you put it in, uh, you use it as a bittering hop at the beginning of your boil, or you're using it as a flavoring hop at the end of your boil, or an aroma, uh, aroma hop, not really a thing, but uh, after your boil in the whirlpool. Um, it's, uh, that was probably my, that was my favorite beer that I made. Uh, my wife loved it. I loved it. We went through, um, I've never been really good at efficiency, so I never quite end up with five gallons like I'm supposed to. I think I ended up with like four and a half. And we went through that beer in about a month. It was gone. Um, and then I tried to brew it again, and I was cocky the second time I did it. It was terrible. <laughs> uh, I don't know what I did wrong. Uh, but the biggest failure that I had, and Randy, I, I, was, I called you like right after this happened, and I doubt you remember it. I, I, I was thinking about uh, this. I knew this was going to be your biggest failure story. <laughs> it, it was, it was uh, an Anchor Porter clone 
And I did it. I think I did it after um, we did the Anchor Porter, like the second beer that we did on the show. And I said, man, that's such a good beer. I'm going to brew it. And I brewed it. And I went through the whole process, and everything was great. And I get to the day where I was kegging it, and I tasted it. I was like, oh, man, this is going to be great. And I kegged it. And then the next day, it was carbonated because you can force carbonate beer. It's kind of, it gets carbonated about 24 to 36 hours, depending on how you do it. Uh, I was really aggressive with it because I, I have no patience. So <clears throat> I tasted it that day. It was carved perfectly, like just a perfect amount of head on it. And I tasted it. I was like, oh, my God, this is so good. I think I texted you guys. I texted Randy. I was so proud of this beer. And then the next day, I came out to the garage to pour a pint. And so I go to pull a pint. Nothing happened. Like, I got a couple of drips. I'm like, well, no, I'm not out of CO2. Like, what's going on? I opened up my keyser, left it open, and the beer was in the – I'm looking. I'm like, what's the problem? What, something here doesn't look right. The beer was in the bottom of the freezer – it got out of the keg and into the bottom of the freezer. <laughs> so I, I, I figured that there was, I found it, there was this, um, <clears throat> I don't even know what the piece is called. Uh, but it's it a was a loose, yeah, the poppet was broken. There's like this tiny little uh, O-ring around the poppet. And it was this tiny little, it's like the thing that, that ruined uh, Apollo 13. Just a totally tiny little thing. You don't even know anything about it. And then boom, your entire, uh, your entire five <laughs> gallons of, of fantastic beer is at the bottom of your keg, and then, or at the bottom of your freezer. And then the next weekend, I said, well, screw it. I'm going to brew it again. I crushed it last time. Cocky, screwed it up. It was terrible. So, uh, screw it, I'm going to brew it. That's our new shirt. Yeah, yeah screw it and brew it. Um, <laughs> you know, that, well, that is a catchy uh, tagline. It actually <laughs> reminds me of something. Dojo, isn't this an epic show idea? A brand that has created a community is featuring an audience member's homebrew as our pairing element. I can tell you right now that I speak for the entire Dojo team when I say this is exactly why we do this. It's all of you. It's Tanner Cole, the third highest ranked member in the Dojoverse. I mean... This guy has literally grown his family at dojo events. It's this type of engagement and interaction that truly makes us a community. We owe a great many thanks to all the sponsors that support our app and our shows to allow us to bring you this platform not only every week, but every hour of every day. One of those great sponsors is the primary sponsor of your favorite cigar pairing show. Drew Estate. Drew Estate, the brand that brings you some of the most delicious tasting cigars in all the world and has a portfolio that covers the full spectrum of flavors so much so that they have a cigar for every smoker and every occasion. Please support everything Drew Estate does by following them on all social media platforms at Drew Estate and ask for them at a brick and mortar near you. Another one of our sponsors is not only a business partner to our community, but one of our closest friends, Abe DeBabna, and the whole team that smoked in. Every cigar smoked here on Flavor Audit is sponsored by our good friends at Smoke In. 
Don't miss a true premium cigar experience with their courteous and knowledgeable staff and over 600 of the world's finest brands to choose from within Florida's largest walk-in humidors. Drop by any one of their 11 brick-and-mortar locations or place an order online at smokein.com today. Wow. He's bringing it to a new level, boys. He's bringing it to a new level. Uh, that was I'm good. Be honest, man. I, I did. Turn you started you down the read. <clears throat> I got up. I went to go pee. I come back, and you were just getting started on Drew Estate. Like, what did you say at the beginning? This was the longest <laughs> read ever. You know, I, I I thought it was a wild card. I felt inspired. You know, it, it, there are so many great sponsors. You know, I see I see as we scroll through the the feed on Dojoverse, and I see the banners. I see so many great uh, companies that support this uh platform you know th- that allow us to do these shows that allow us to engage each other at you know from my case two o'clock three o'clock in the morning on, on dojo verse and uh, i don't know I've, i felt inspired i wanted to i wanted to <laughs> i wanted to uh i wanted to re- really sing the praises of our sponsors and and uh i honestly i'm honored and flattered that i get an opportunity to come on here and talk about the things that i i love and passionate about and Kind of uh, flattering that anybody ever tunes in at all. So thanks to everybody out there. <laughs> now, uh, Robbie, um, good job, Randy. Um, cheers. Robbie, uh, yeah, cheers, everybody. It uh, looks like, on at least on YouTube, um, about uh, 40%, 41% of the people have dabbled in homebrew. Jordan, what is the YouTube? Uh, well, I'm on the Facebook over here. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, the Facebook. That was the YouTube. Facebook is 81% yes. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh, wow. That's amazing. See, see look, at, a, you know, you know that kind of surprised me for just an instant. And then I realized, you know, that's the type of audience we're going to have, right? People that are tuning in here that are interesting, interested in these conversations that want to feel like they're part of this conversation, talking about flavor. Uh, it doesn't surprise me at all, really, that the type of audience that might follow the show has at least dabbled in homebrewing. Yeah. So uh, a couple of things, Randy, I, uh, I, I grabbed... Well, I knew we were going to be talking about homebrew today. I'm, I like to, I mean, I know you're, you're a big reader. I know you like to read and get certified and all this and that. Um, I, there's a couple of books out there, and you can fill in this gap uh, if you like, if I'm missing something. A couple of books out there that you're going to want to grab if you're a homebrewer. I like to have the books uh, for a lot of reasons. But uh, How to Brew, like this is kind of the homebrew That's Bible. That's the one, right? man. That's this the is one, it. yeah. And I, I like, I've got my little tags in here. So I, you know, notes that I've made in the book, what have you. Uh, but this, this book has been through it. And there's, it's got everything from, you know, what you can expect on your first brew day, kind of outlining what you're going to be doing on your first brew day, all the way to, I believe it even has recipes at the end. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other one is uh, home, uh, The uh, Complete Joy of Home Brewing by uh, Charlie Papazan. Papazian? Uh, Papazian? Charlie Papazian. That's what I said. <laughs> Papa Zion. <laughs> Papa Zion's pretty. That's that's actually his. That's his uh, MC uh, nickname. He's, he's Papa Zion. Nice. You, you know, it's funny about that. When Char- he's on the Charlie, ones and twos. Yeah. Char- Charlie Papazian is actually the uh, the founder and president of both the American Homebrewers Association and 
the uh, Brewers Association, the company and production team that puts on Great American Beer Festival, all the trade shows. So, uh, so that really is the original, uh, the complete joy is the original homebrew how-to book. Uh, uh, absolutely. John Palmer's How to Brew. Uh, John Palmer. Uh, fun I mean, little, look at these fun folks. Look how happy they are. <laughs> like this, uh, it, it, apparently, if you brew, it, it, you, you end up in the early 50s. Yes. <laughs> uh, fun little story I have to share since you shared John's book, uh, the first book you showed there, How to Brew. Um, uh, John was my guest at a dinner that he was completely shocked by at being named Person of the Year uh, in the homebrewing industry. Didn't even know he had been nominated. Uh, you know, back then, they didn't like... It's not like the Oscars where they like announce who who all the nominees are and, and, and everything else, um, but uh, but uh, it, it it was so cool that he was going to sit at the very back of the room and the company I worked for, More Beer, uh, was a sponsor uh, and so we actually had um, a table right at the stage and I saw I saw John he's a I'm a big fan of his he's a big deal and I saw him like headed towards the back of the room and I went and I grabbed him and I was like hey you know I have a plus one seat next to next to me that i don't have anybody you want to be my plus one he came and sat with me like stage left kind of thing and then like lo and behold he gets announced uh, as person of the year and so i got to uh, like uh share that and be the first person to hug him after he came off stage so that was pretty cool somehow so, yeah. somehow randy's always weaseling his way into the uh, limelight <laughs> you know this is always finds a way, Ravi, to weasel his way into the limelight. I don't understand. Yeah, whether it's whether it's uh, handicap seats or what. <laughs> you know, Randy is going to be there. Uh, Randy, um, real quick, just uh, I have a question that, based on what you just said, when when did the home home brewing like really start to like catch on? How long ago was that when it like really started to like get some steam? And like, I mean, obviously there's been people doing this throughout history. But I mean, as yeah. far as the, the, the craze, the homebrew craze, how long ago was that? Well, no, I'm, I'm glad you said that. So uh, in, in American history, uh, there, there's records of George Washington homebrewing in the White House. Um, but it actually was legalized. It, it, it later became illegal. It was just for taxation purposes. It was actually made legal in 1978. And uh, obviously, a lot of people were doing it. it. wasn't like policed or anything like that, but it was technically illegal until 1978. And uh, it really wasn't, uh, you know, our boom really began in the similar time as the big boom of cigars. It was in the 90s. You know, I think uh, that, that's not a coincidence. People started getting into flavor, into more luxury uh, uh, lifestyle behaviors in general. So in the 90s is when it really took off um, and really uh, became a thing. But then we had a second boom um, in, I'd say, 2000, 2012 to 2019, like, like I, I, as recent as that is, and, and that may seem off because I'm sure most people have heard of it, I, I, these companies absolutely doubled and tripled in size. Um, uh, More Beer's largest competitor was purchased by Anheuser-Busch. Uh, and so when, you know, the largest beer brand in the world is... Uh, purchasing huge homebrew supply stores I, I that's that, that's a pretty like key indicator in industry where, where where trends are going and everything so 
um, as, as as much as it seems silly, like uh, again, it became huge in the '90s, um, but it, it really took center stage just over the last 10, 15 years, where um, where we really saw the, the 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 boom. You know, when I got into beer sales in 2012, there were still only like 2,200 breweries in the in the in the country. Um, we've now eclipsed 10,000, um, and, and so ju- ju- just to think about a five time. Uh, multiplier on an industry and that's commercial breweries but but as that growth happened home brewing came along with it you know it just drew more interest into craft beer into locally sourced ingredients in 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 into the the um into the different ways and and it's funny because it's it's one of these things that like uh i i, I like to tease there's been a couple of styles that have been invented here in the united states you know uh black ipas uh hazy ipas and i love talking to people from those uh areas because uh, before uh, Black IPA kind of settled uh, as the name, um, they they became they were popularized in the pack Northwest, and they called them Cascadian Dark Ales, uh, um, you know where the Cascade Mountains are and and whatnot. And so like they took a lot of ownership to that. And then when Hazies came out, originally they were like New England style IPAs, and people in those regions took a lot of like personal pride in that. And I like, and, and they'll say, oh, this brewery created that style or invented that style. And I always laugh and I say, there's not a commercial brew that's ever been produced that a home brewer hasn't done in his kitchen already. I, I, like, so, so, to, so to give a, a, a brewery credit for air styles, laughable to me, like home brewers are the, the lifeblood to the beer industry in general. We uh, Innovation happens in kitchens, not in laboratories, not in warehouses. That's where they're scaled up for production. You know, the, the innovation really takes place in, in, in people's apartment kitchens all, o- all over the country. So, uh, and a lot of people don't realize, point. Randy, that George Washington was an innovator because he could uh, barrel age his own beer in his mouth with his own wooden I teeth. Knew- <laughs> it was incredible. <laughs> I knew the wooden teeth were going to come in as soon as you mentioned this name. I wasn't sure where you were going to go with it, but I knew it was going to have to have something to do with this wooden teeth. All right, Robbie. All right. Robbie, talk about Tanner's beer. How did Tanner's beer yes. do, and how, how is this pairing, Robbie? What do you think of the Mexican chocolate stout? Uh, so I'll be full disclosure. Uh, when I first popped in the beer and I tasted it, I was concerned about uh, what we were going to do during this show. And I thought, maybe I should go get something else to drink. Uh, this is uh, it's a little, you know, eh, you know maybe not so, not so much. But as uh, a, a true story, I'm not pulling any punches and I'm not going to you know, stroke any egos either. As the beer has warmed up, it has gotten a lot better. The, so mm-hmm. I've got V1 and one that doesn't say anything on it. So I'm guessing that's version two. Uh, I've been drinking more of the V1, and it's at first it had a bit of a, uh, this is not really a good descriptor, but it had kind of a soy sauce vibe to it. Uh, that has since mellowed dramatically. Um, I definitely get the chocolate. The, uh, the heat really rests on the back of the throat um, in the, uh, like, after, after you, with the aftertaste, I guess, it's, it lingers. Uh, but you really feel it in the back of the throat, so it's actually pretty, pretty interesting in that in that manner. Uh, I really just get the chocolate and that heat at the finish. Um, it actually pairs pretty damn well with the cigar, surprisingly. Uh, they are matched pretty well on intensity uh, with the. Uh, oh damn! Right when I'm going to show you guys something, my web, my ecam thing switches over. I gotta, I gotta fix that. Um, every thirty minutes, it turns off. 
uh, <laughs> technology these days. Uh, the uh, Imperial uh, Stout Barrel Aged uh, from Camacho, it pairs really, really well. This beer's pretty intense from a flavor standpoint. Uh, I don't know what the ABV is. I couldn't even make a guess at it. I'd say 7 or 8%, maybe 6 7%. Um, 6 to 8, somewhere in there. And it's, you know, it's not bad. It, at first, I was really, really worried, Tanner. I was worried, bro. Like, I was like, man, this is, this is rough. But as it warmed up, the, the flavors really kind of opened up, and it's a pretty solid beer. Yeah, so, so let me j- j- just start out by, by saying really clearly, um, the primary uh, issue with the beer, why it's not exceptional. Wow, Tanner says it comes at 9.6%. That's, that's surprising AD. to me. Yeah, yeah this, no, t- it, this, it, it hides it pretty well. I would have said like five. Yeah. Yeah, the body yeah, on this yeah, nine, is like the the, vis, the viscosity doesn't to me say nine point six percent, which is why I went somewhere between six and eight. I thought I was hedging my bets. Uh, nine point yeah. six—that's aggressive. Um, and how many pounds so of a, grain did you use so, on this? So that's Curiosity. so nine point six puts it in the imperial stout uh, category. What, what, let me start by saying this: the the, the beer is tough to judge for all of its uh, qualities because first and foremost it's perfectly flat uh it is without carbonation and that i i would tell you hey matt ties on how you doing man um the uh the the package uh choice of tanner um which isn't always a bad thing but didn't work out for him probably because of the shipping is uh grolsch style uh flip caps um, these can, uh, if they don't seat just perfectly, they can uh, allow some some air out. And so uh, beer as a carbonated beverage, I always like to tell people as, as a base, beer is a cereal grain-based carbonated beverage. The carbonation, people really overlook carbonation. It is part of the recipe. We literally, in a, in a brewing facility, measure the volumes of CO2 that go into the beer a more effervescent beer will give you a very different experience than a lower uh, effervescence will will allow it to um, kind of sit on the tongue a little bit heavier with lower carbonation. It's a little less aromatic and aromatics matter in your mouth, right? A, a lot of the aromatics that you get are actually hitting your olfactory from inside your mouth rather than um, outside, right? And so, uh, so because of that, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of lays heavy on the tongue. A lot of the nuance, a lot, a lot of the like exciting aromas you don't get to experience because that carbonation isn't there to bring those volatiles out in, into the atmosphere and, and allow your senses to, uh, to capture them. So, um, so to Robbie's point, there are two different versions here. Uh, Tanner told me ahead of the show. So they're both the same base beer. Um, and what he did to incorporate the hot. Oh, oh, well, yours. He, he must have packaged yours more yeah. recently. Again, mine showed up quite a while ago, and I've been waiting for your second package to show up. So mine have sat yeah. in the refrigerator, um, and so mine might have just lost more carbonation uh, in my so, presence. So you, than, were, uh, so you were blaming Tanner, but really they just weren't stored properly. Well, if he had packed yours properly, we would have done this show like two months ago. So uh, it's still Tanner's fault. Keep in uh, mind, but, Tanner, but, out of his own pocket, is sending us this stuff to put on the show. Right? He's just giving him a hard time. He's opening uh, himself I, up to be roasted. Right? Yeah, I will. Absolutely. I will agree. Though no, no, I will say one thing. Your, you don't send yourself to a live show and and, and, not, and, and, and think we're like you said. I'm not pulling any punches here. I'm going to tell you about my experience. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think I think I did have a different experience because mine does have. Uh, I don't think it's carbonated enough, but it uh -huh. does have some carbonation. So that I, the way you were saying that it rests, it like lays heavy on the palate. I'm not experiencing that in mine. Gotcha. So I think okay. I, I do have a fresher experience. Uh, I guess. Yeah, than, yeah. Uh, I'm than, I'm than unfortunately not. Yeah, no, I'm unfortunately not getting the 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 heat from the pepper that you are um, again mm, without the carbonation. This, me, yeah. The 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 sweetness is is heavier, and I think that also um, back to, to your other point about ABV. I'd have never guessed it was this high. Um, so you use 36 pounds of grain Good. in a 10 barrel batch. Um, well, yeah, that's 18 pounds. It's about right. But uh, but version one and version two. Version one has a powdered pre-mixed hot. Mexican chocolate um, mix versus version two where he used whole ingredients where he incorporated uh, chili peppers, nibs, cinnamon. Uh, I, don't, I don't know the entire recipe, but um, he, he concocted it himself. Mm. You definitely get a certain vegetal character uh, from ver version two. It's a little bit more more kind of floral. You really get the, the sense of, of those. But again, for me, the experience is is somewhat muddled and sweet and, and heavier on the palate, unfortunately, because of the lack of carbonation. Um, but I'll tell you, for, you know, working in uh, production brewing uh, setting a, a good chunk of my life, all brewers will tell you that the hardest part of brewing is the packaging. Great beers are, are ruined in the on canning day or on kegging day all the time. I mean, R Robbie, your own home brewing, you know, worst story was a packaging f failure that, that, that ruined the entire uh, uh, brew for you. And so, uh, so that's unfortunately pretty common. Uh, so love, love you, Tanner. To, to, to Rob's point, the beer is technically sound. There's no like significant off flavors of diacetyl or DMS, which which would be, come across as butterscotch or corn-like. It's not oxidized. Again, one of the most common um, off flavors that you get in beer. These common off flavors that you look for as um, as indicators of uh, fundamental uh, technical failures are not there. Yeah, um, it, it tastes like it, it is a. Uh, it tastes like it was a well-brewed beer that um, you, you know needed some packaging, um, you know tweaks again uh, because of you know we'll blame the USPS as uh, as destroying Robbie's box. Um, there, there was, this there was whole a bottle thing. of whiskey in there too. We we lost a lot on that trip. Ooh. It was yeah uh, no no yeah, and, 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 and and again Tanner thank bad you times. so much for, for for sending this in. We're, we're we're honored to have your your homebrew here and the boxes as you said Rob, yeah mine came intact, came with some some heavy hitting uh, a bodyguard, uh, in, including a bottle of whiskey and several cigars. And so thank you so much Tanner. I uh, hope you're not too disappointed. Sorry that the carbonation didn't work out for you on this one. We can talk offline about how to improve that uh, that process for you as just, you go. Just, and, just use but caps. I'll tell you, just use caps. <laughs> but, but I'll tell you also, uh, from a pairing standpoint, my selection of jalapeno was very specific. I wanted something spicy that, that might uh, really enhance the, the pepper character in the beer because my pepper character wasn't as, um, as easy to identify because of the lack of carbonation. My pairing ended up not going well. It's also not nearly dark enough. I can totally see, um, and, and thank you, Jordan, for taking the words right out of my mouth. It's a thumbs down for me. 
I totally see what, what you're, the points you made, Robbie. I know that cigar that you're smoking very well, even though I somehow missed the memo that we were all doing dojo collabs today, and I'm, I, I don't know why I, I, I missed that. I didn't know that was uh, part of a sub-theme. Wild card, come on. <laughs> but uh, so, so, um, so it, it was partially my fault for, for not pairing this well, um, more so than uh, anything wrong with now, either the cigar or the beer. Robbie, did I, did I just miss yours, or did you give it a thumbs? He has not yet. I didn't. Uh, I didn't know we were doing that. But I'll give it. A, I'm actually going to give it a thumbs up because nice. Like honestly, you say it's a it's an imperial stout that we're drinking. The first cigar I think of is uh, ironically called imperial Boom. stout. Boom. So uh, Boom. that's Boom. that was where I went. Uh, yeah, it's. I'm the more I drink the beer, maybe it's the nine and a half percent talking, uh, but it, it gets a little bit better the more that I drink it. But the temp yep. temperature, serving temperature is huge. We could talk about all this stuff, Randy, for hours and hours. Um, no but yeah, Tanner, just uh, get away from these. Uh, what are they? What, what are they called again? Girl style. Girl fli- uh, style. Girl style. style. Yeah, you don't want. To. <laughs> That's. I remember yeah, so the first it, time I bottled a beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys want to see Robbie and I do mm. more content on home brewing on this channel, go down, smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, hit notifications on YouTube. If you're listening to us on a podcast, please uh, review and rate us unless you're going to give us less than like four stars because then, you know, to hell with you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Basically, uh, real quick, um, real quick. Uh, I I'm having this lighter version. I don't know what this is that Tanner sent. It's really good. Uh, good job. What is it? A guave IPA. Very good, Tanner. I like it. Um, I'm not I'm not going to give this pairing a thumbs up because I paired this for a Mexican chocolate stout, <laughs> and so it's my own fault. Um, my own fault, Tanner. But the beer is very good. Uh, the cigar is very good. Not a great pairing, Jordan. How was yours? Uh, the cigar is pretty dang good. Uh, it, this is a Corona size, and the the Habano I had before this was a Toro, and I I did like that better. I'd like to try this Maduro in the in the Toro size. Uh, AJ's got those nice Nicaraguan fillers. Uh, this it's got uh, sort of a brown sugar molasses kind of a honey wheat bread. You know, like the bread that you get at like uh, Outback Steakhouse that you have mm. before the meal. Oh yeah, kind of has that kind of yeah, flavor yeah. to it. Uh, really good cigar, um, and I, I have to agree with ev- just about everything Robbie said about the beer. Uh, it is it is undercarbonated. It started out a little off-putting with the soy sauce, um, and it had like a raspberry note nose to it, which is kind of weird. But as it started to open up, y- y- uh, originally I didn't really get much of the chocolate, but the chocolate really opened up, and then this, some cinnamon came in, which actually made it pretty good. Uh, it, was, it was too mild for the cigar. In my opinion, I switched over to what you're drinking, um, which matched the um, the mouthfeel actually matched the intensity of the cigar a lot better. But the flavor, of course, didn't. It's got the second beer that we're doing here has more of like a mango kind of a flavor to it. Didn't really match in flavor. Uh, but sometimes I would actually go for the mouthfeel and a pairing over the. In this case, uh, I would take I would take the mouthfeel over the, the the flavor of the first beer matched the cigar better. The mouthfeel of this one matched it better. Mm. I'll go. I have to go thumbs down, but you know, uh, it was it was. Uh, I got to give a shout out to Tanner. That was a ton of fun. Thanks for sh- sending those into us. I uh, really enjoyed this. Uh, let's let's uh, real quick talk about the results um, on YouTube. Randy 
wins in a landslide. 75% to Robbie's 25%. Jordan, how did Facebook well, see it? Luckily, the YouTube votes don't matter. We learned that last week. <laughs> Facebook says Randy wins 58% okay. to 42 I guess it's unanimous, though. Um, well done. And well, what a... Well, Thank you for redeeming yourself out there in Dojo Land. You, you, you haven't worried at first. Been on a pretty rough, rough go the last you know two months, but uh, I appreciate you guys redeeming yourself out there today. That was that was fantastic. <laughs> Tons of good info tonight, boys. Really good. Yeah, yeah, All this right. was fun. I, I like. Uh, it's a great topic, <clears throat> um, Randy. I don't know when the last time was that you homebrewed, and I don't think it's been. I think it's been a while for you. Um, sure. I brewed. Uh, I guess about a month and a half ago, uh, the next beer I have that I'm gonna that I want to make is this is this uh, it's a slogger. but uh, mm. I need to get my my uh, lagering chamber going here, otherwise it ain't gonna work. Because like we said, bottom fermenting, it's got to be cold, baby. Um, <laughs> we'll get into yeast next week. Um, yeah. All right, boys, what's going on on Smoke Night Live this Friday? All right, so uh, Smoke Night Live Friday, we have Juan Martinez, Hoya de Nicaragua. He's the, um, you know, the guy behind uh, in executive, uh, I don't know what his exact title is, but uh, we're going to be talking about the history of Hoya de Nicaragua and, and their significance as far as Nicaraguan cigars are concerned. And as we all know, uh, Nicaraguan cigars right now are sort of considered it's the epicenter of of cigars, but how did that come to be? How did uh, Nicaragua come to be the epicenter of premium cigars? So we'll be talking to Juan Martinez about that. That should be a ton of fun, and uh, we have a great show of the week after that too. But I can't remember who it is. Uh, so <laughs> it's gonna be great, right? It's gonna be great. And uh, so, uh, what's what's next Wednesday's uh, flavor odyssey? Yeah, yeah so we are gonna kick uh, off, Randy. Oh, yeah. Are you, you ready for this? <laughs> you, you, you know <laughs> it. You have to, you hold have on, it. boys. Hold on. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> well, well, no, I would. In for you, Robbie, because I wasn't sure if you had it pulled up. I think I have it memorized. Uh, we are kicking off the fifth segment of season four with shade-grown wrapped cigars, which aren't sixth always c- Connecticut's, believe it or not. Which are not always Connecticut's, and so uh, we're going to go ahead and just announce right now. We're going to start out with um, potentially the most famous shade of all time. None other than the Fuente Fuente Opus X, coming from Arturo Fuente. Um, we are going to then go from there to the Drew Estate Undercrown Shade. We're going to mix it up and really show what is possible with shade-grown tobacco. And we're going to smoke the Aganorsa Leaf Citrus Series Maduro. That's right. I said shade grown and Maduro in the same title, folks. Uh, and then we're going to finish it all up with with uh, a touch of elegance. Uh, cigar I, I've recently been introduced to and been very, very excited about in the Davidoff Anniversario. Mm, nice. Uh, so, oh. Again, that's going to that's gonna be the Fuente Fuente Opus X, the Undercrown Shade, the Aganor Salif Signature Series, Shade Grown Maduro, and the... Davidoff Anniversario will wrap up the four uh, cigars for segment five. Fantastic. I believe it's, is it not segment? Yeah, it is segment five. You're right. Because we do five segments every season. Is that six, how it works? Six segments. Six. <laughs> All right. Four, four, four All seasons right. into the show. And Robbie still is learning the, the, uh, the, the overall outline. <laughs> well, if, if that's, then how, then how are these episodes, like we can talk about this later. 
29, 30, 31, and 32. Is my math wrong? Yeah, we should definitely talk this about this. Last, <laughs> this is the last. Yeah, this is the last segment of season of season four. Luckily, because I apparently we're uh, we're well. There's wild cards. Don't forget about those. Yeah, yeah. We threw a bunch of wild cards in there, but we are. Uh, we yeah, are we might have done too many wild cards. We might go over this. We, d- we did a lot. <laughs> we did a lot. That's 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 for sure. So maybe we did a full season of wild cards. Who knows? Uh, regardless, I'm it. looking forward to uh, the Shade segment because this is going to be a lot of fun. As Randy said, we've got some really interesting cigars that we're going to talk about. Starting off with the Opus X next week. Ooh, what a pair with Opus X. That could be fun. Ooh, do, we, do we just go like super high end or should I just pair it with Paps? Like, what, what should I do? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So many options. So many options. Uh, this was a lot remember, of fun. You Tanner, Paps, thanks for you're going to be asked to shotgun. <laughs> yeah, well, and I'll skip that then. I'm not a, I'm not a shotgun kind of guy. Uh, unless we're talking about weddings, I don't know. Hey, um, I don't even know. I don't even know what a shotgun wedding is. Yes, you do. Get out of here. Do I? <laughs> no, I really don't know. Is it like like you have to do it quick? Like it's a shotgun start at the uh, golf? No, tournament? it's it's like the uh, it's dad. like the it's like the dad. He's like, you better marry my daughter because I know you've been oh, doing a little schnickety yes, yeah. schnickety, and so uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so I got now the- you're gonna, or else, <laughs> and there's a shotgun here to reinforce it. Yeah, exactly. I got it. Okay, well, good. That's that's I, 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 I love to I end the show. What a shotgun wedding was either. Let's do let's I, do a whole shotgun wedding episode because I, I I love ending <laughs> a show talking about homicide. Uh, good times, good times. Tanner, thanks again for sending this. This was a lot of fun. Uh, we appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back next week. Everybody have a great week. Stay safe, be healthy, be kind to each other. No homicide. It doesn't cost you anything. We'll see you next week as the Odyssey continues.